Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. It's only been six months. Not like anything's happened. Well, we missed Sam Bradford, Nick Foles, the draft, Todd Gurley, preseason, regular season, Jared Cook. So not much. What up, everybody? It's your boy, 3K. Back from from a, a short hiatus since April. <laughs> it's only been six months. Look, man, we were trying to get some things in order behind the scenes. Right? It's not easy being green. What's up? It's your boy 3K. Welcome to Turf Show Radio. New listeners, old listeners alike, middle-aged listeners, fat listeners, skinny listeners, kids who sit on rocks. New tertio timers, old tertio timers, even ones with chicken pox like hot dogs. What's up? It's your boy 3K. You can holler at us tonight, the number to call in. Uh, we're going to have a fun show. We're going to be uh, having a guest for Dogs by Nature. The number to call in is going to be 347-857-1022. That's 347-857-1022. Give me a holler. We're going to be talking everything Rams tonight. Uh, we got so much to sum up. We're going to skip all the off-season stuff that we missed since... You know, no Tershaw Radio, whatever. We covered it on Tershaw Times. We're past it. Uh, but a little bit of a recap to figure out where we're at now going into week seven, come out of the bye. Had some good stuff on the schedule moving forward. A couple different pieces. Obviously, the injury report something we're going to have to touch on. Um, then we're going to begin to the Browns game. We're going to have on uh, Matt Wood coming by from Dogs by Nature. Uh, that's the Cleveland Browns SB Nation site. Uh, a little bit of stuff tomorrow. I'm working a question and answer with Chris Picorni. He's the executive editor over at DBN Dogs by Nature. So it'll be fun to get a little bit of inside information there on Johnny Football and everything else going down with the Browns. Not Johnny Football. We'll get everything from the Browns side from them. Uh, and then we're going to get to some calls. So shoot me a call, man. I want to talk to you guys. I want to hear from you. Again, the number is 347-857-1022. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Uh, once we get going with Matt and get some inside info, we'll get into the draft to finish out the show. You guys know I can't get through a show without talking about the draft. we got California UCLA coming up in a little bit. Temple East Carolina's on right now. Obviously, the NFL world is in the middle of watching the Seahawks and the 49ers. Seahawks up 7 nothing after one. Uh, and, and that's kind of a good place to jump off is, you know, when we're talking about what we've done to get to this point, to get to week six, where the Rams had a bye, sitting two and three, watching Seattle go down, watching Arizona go down. The NFC West is pretty open. It really is. Uh, and the key, which is what we talked about on the site this week, is that the opportunity is there for the Rams if they take advantage of it moving forward. If they don't, then it really doesn't matter. It's not an opportunity at all. But as it sits right now, week seven, uh, it's a big one. You've got, obviously, Seattle and San Francisco sitting at two and four. At the bottom of the division, although Seattle is only two and four by the skin of their teeth, they've gone into every fourth quarter of all six games with the lead, only gotten two wins out of them. That's pretty surprising. See what happens tonight uh, in Santa Clara. Arizona, on the other hand, is sitting atop the NFC West, four and two. Bruce Arians has them playing right again. Carson Palmer, good candidate for comeback player of the year. Specialty being the defense this year, 
uh, doing a good job limiting uh, points on their opponents. We'll have to see, but obviously the Rams were able to get one on the road. That was a big one. Uh, now they're sitting at two and three. Obviously, the the win against Seattle in Week One, the win against Arizona uh, later on in Week Four. Those two uh, away losses, obviously Washington and the Steelers in two and three, and then Green Bay in Week Five. That is, you got a lot of questions for the Rams, and not a ton of answers. We're starting to get some, but we're having to move some things around, and obviously. Uh, with the injuries, that, that's going to shift some things as well. So a couple things I wanted to highlight from early in the season. Obviously, you know, the way I put it was that the Rams weren't treating the preseason like a preseason. They weren't really getting ready for week one. Uh, I still feel comfortable with that. And, and one of the main reasons why is your week four Rams looked almost drastically different from the week one Rams. Now, part of that was Todd Gurley. Part of that was the offense was still kind of feeling itself out. Uh, but but there is just a sense on on my behalf, and, and I think the Washington game was a clear example. The lack of the, the lack of offense in Pittsburgh was too maybe in week three, but I think they were still working through some things. And obviously Frank Signetti, first year offensive coordinator, obviously he's not coming in with a ton of experience to lean on uh, when, when things really start struggling out of the gate. When you get into the third quarter and you've got that second half game plan, and as you're just going through and making all the adjustments you can to get anything out of the game, and nothing's working. Uh, it's a tough situation for a first-year offensive coordinator. Um, but I think those two games just kind of showed maybe not necessarily that they weren't ready for the season, but they had things to work out, and, and they really hadn't gotten them worked out, ironed out in the preseason. And maybe that's too tall of a task. I guess if you're taking the uh, uh, devil's advocate to take the other side, maybe the, the preseason wasn't long enough for a team like the Rams, as young as they are, as newly constructed as they are, new quarterback, all these new offensive linemen, new offensive components that they just hadn't gotten to work in. Nick Foles, as your quarterback, hasn't gotten a ton of experience with his targets, and that includes Brian Quick, who wasn't even available for a couple weeks for whatever reason. But as it sits now, they're 2-3, and three, uh, big win against Arizona on the road, and then obviously wasn't able to get much offense on the road at Green Bay, but I don't think anybody should be upset to lose to Green Bay this season. Uh, the Rams may not be on their level, but they shouldn't need to be to be successful this year. It's kind of the same bar set for Nick Foles. He doesn't have to be spectacular. He just has to be good enough to let the rest of the team win. And now that's where they're sitting, looking forward at the schedule. Um, we talked about some good pieces on the site. Uh, definitely recommend you go back and read those. Northwest Rams fan has his weekly series where he looks at the entirety of the schedule. Coming out of the bye, it's got a little more prescience, obviously. Good piece from Doug, Dougie Fresh looking at the Fisher era and this kind of being the final exam. That was a good read. Uh, Ram Buck obviously got a big post up tonight. If you haven't gone and uh, dropped your vote in the form, please do that uh, before Sunday. We're going to have it open for a couple more days. Just kind of a sense of where the offense is at, what maybe what the Rams should be exploring, what they can try to do. Obviously, everybody wants to see plenty of Todd Gurley, but the question is how do you build off of that? Do you mix in more Trey Mason? How do you manage the passing game, knowing that you've got to get the ball into Tavon's hands frequently? How are you going to do that and satisfy some of the other tools you got? There's a lot of people who still want to see more Stedman Bailey, a lot of people who want to see more Brian Quick. I think damn near everybody wants to see less Jared Cook. But this is Jeff Fisher. We know he's not going to abandon his plans that quickly. It's just a matter of seeing how those things figure themselves out. And we just wanted to get a sense of uh, what Herschel Times' readership, the fam, thought of uh, this offense and where it's going, knowing that it's going to take some time for, for things to get worked out. Um, the injury report. Yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing this week. Obviously, Roger Saffold going down. He's now on injured reserve, joining EJ Gaines. 
Uh, Alex Ogletree remains on the active roster, though it'll be quite a while before we potentially see him back with the team. And then obviously between yesterday's actual injury report and today's hypothetical one, you can see there's some names maybe for concern. Uh, depends on if you buy into it or not. Um, I know some people were suggesting that it's some classic Jeff Fisher chicanery, some shenanigans. And I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. But you've got, you've got to take it at face value somewhat. You have to at least acknowledge that the names that are on there uh, are on there, e- even if it is for a deceptive reason. When you see names like Tavon Austin, uh, Robert Quinn, Chris Long, though Chris Long obviously had the knee injury going into the bye week. We saw that, so that's at least more credible. Uh, Trey Mason, Janoris Jenkins, although he was the one player who was limited as opposed to the other six who were uh, did not practice status, along with Lance Kendricks, he was the sixth. Those are big names. Those are starters. And uh, the Rams aren't a team, really, that can afford to lose starters, especially on the offensive side when you look at how much they've struggled already. If they go into that having to rely on their depth uh, when the starters haven't even come up, that's a daunting proposition. I don't think that's where the Rams want to be. Hopefully, though, we won't have to be in that position, and that won't be an area of concern. What is a concern, though, is going into this Browns game on Sunday. Uh, we're going to have Matt again, Matt Wood from Dogs by Nature coming on in a bit, uh, talk to us about uh, everything he's seen from Cleveland and kind of get his sense of what's going on on his side of things and then try to recap where we are with the Rams and, and get some kind of information about what we should be expecting. A lot of that is going to become uh, available when I talk to Chris overnight trying to see if I can get Matt on the line here as I talk through it. You know, this is a very professional podcast for people who haven't uh, listened before. I'm in Tercio Times official studios brought to you by Subway. Subway, home of the $5 football. We measure our feet here at Subway. Um, Hopefully having Matt on in a second to talk about Browns, Rams. It's a big challenge. And, and, you know, as a lot of the pieces on the site were saying this weekend, it's a challenge that uh, we should be excited about. the opportunities there over the next couple of games, certainly compared to the first five before the bye. Uh, But nothing's going to be for granted. If there's anything we've learned from the Rams teams under Jeff Fisher, it's that uh, the the games that oftentimes you think they'll win are the ones that they oftentimes struggle the most in. And a lot of times when it seems like the opposition is going to be too much to handle, those are the games when they're able to step up. Uh, You know, week one against Seattle, Week four against Arizona, prime examples in 2015, but we've seen it in years past. So now going into this five-game stretch, starting with the Browns at home, then they got San Francisco at home, travel to Minnesota, come back against Chicago, and then head to Baltimore. That's a five-game stretch where I think there's a lot of optimism, rational or not, doesn't really matter. Rand Center just excited to have a stretch like this in the schedule that hasn't been as favorable as what they've seen in the – uh, or is more favorable than what we've seen in years past. And it's an opportunity that they're going to have to take advantage of uh, pretty much starting this weekend in Cleveland. Uh, the big news obviously coming out of there was Johnny Manziel's uh, scuffle. Well, I guess not scuffle. I don't know. The fracas, whatever word, we'll let Matt uh, let us know what the appropriate verbiage is for that. But he had an incident uh, with local police. It doesn't sound like there's going to be any charges. We'll let him. It, it, it was an issue with his uh, girlfriend or whatever the relationship status was there. I don't know. It's just one of those things where Johnny Manziel coming out of college was this big name, a lot of excitement, a lot of question marks about how he'd fit in the NFL. Things haven't really progressed in a linear fashion. 
Uh, and even going into this weekend, uh, I don't know that we're going to get any answers there, at least in the immediate future. It's one of the questions I'll be asking Chris Picorni, the executive editor, is how he sees that shaping up, you know, with Josh McCown, who they've got on a long-term deal, starting quarterback, a lot of interesting offensive line components. They've gone the, they're going to have to go the rest of the year because uh, this entire year is part of a year-long suspension for wide receiver Josh Gordon. And they're seemingly getting by with enough offense, with enough passing offense. Uh, but the defense is really struggling, and that was a great piece that we got from Brian Mewling at the beginning of the week looking at the Browns' rushing defense, which is uh, not putting up great numbers. I'll get some details on that from Chris as well. But we're just going to have to see. I think there's so much excitement behind the Rams and behind Tom Gurley that everybody wants to see how they perform in this stretch and hopefully get on the better side of it so that when you head to Cincinnati, uh, let's see, what is that? That'd be week 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, that hopefully the opportunity is there for the Rams to start putting together uh, something that they haven't had in a while, at least in any serious fashion, and that's a push towards the postseason. Uh, you know, 2010, Sam Bradford's rookie season going into week 17 in Seattle with the chance to make the playoffs was the last real late season charge they had. Two years later, those hopes kind of got scuttled as they struggled uh, through the middle of the season. So we'll have to see. Two and three isn't necessarily where you want to be in terms of a record, but those opening five games were pretty tough. And, you know, wins against Seattle and Arizona, despite the loss to Washington notwithstanding, uh, they're in position where if they take advantage of this next month plus, they're going to be in a good spot, especially considering where they've been in the last couple of years. But before we get to the rest of the schedule, let's go ahead and bring in Matt again. The number to call in tonight, 347-857-1022. I see a couple guys on the line. If you guys want to hold on just for a couple minutes while I talk to Matt, we're going to preview the Cleveland game, and then I'll bring on some callers and we can talk. Whatever else you guys want, Todd Gurley, me being an idiot, Kim Kardashian, Chloe Kardashian, uh, Annabelle Kardashian, Jamie Plattwood, I don't know. I don't know any of the other Kardashians, but if you guys want to talk about them, I'll let you. I won't even hang up. I'll let you talk about them. But before we do that, let's talk about some football, man. Matt Wood, dogs by nature. Matt, what's going on? Welcome to Turk Show Radio. I appreciate you uh, letting me join. Let's talk about the Jenners, too. Come on. Kylie, there's your talent. I don't I, I don't see. That's one of the things. I know that I know him. I know when I see him, I'm like, oh, I remember that one. I don't know why, because I've never watched the show. I'm, <laughs> I don't do pop culture, man. I really don't. Well, to be quite honest with you, as a Browns fan, I'd rather talk about Kylie Jenner than the Browns. But hey, whatever. Let's talk about the Browns. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, you're on a Rams podcast. It's not. It's not exactly like we're looking down at anybody <laughs> after the last decade. Hey, thanks for coming on, everybody. Matt Wood from DogsByNature.com. What's your Twitter handle, Matt? Uh, at Dogs by Nature, pretty simple. Uh, we kind of just follow along and uh, do some things there. So always willing to talk about pretty much anything because, after all, we're talking about the Browns. Yeah, well, let's start at the top, man. Uh, g- give us a sense of where you guys are at after six games. Uh, I-, I know the record may not always uh, explain the uh, idiosyncrasies, the context of the team. Two and four, you know, a tough season opener against the Jets, bounce back against the Titans, and then you had those two close games against Oakland and the Chargers, and then again two close games these last two weeks. What's kind of the difference between the close losses and the wins? Where do you see this team headed even beyond the Rams? And give us a sense of where you guys are at. Uh, when you when the Browns started the season, you, when you looked at the schedule, you thought, all right, the first three games are your kind of your easy ones. 
And then after that, it gets really tough. But the Jets, obviously, a little bit better than everybody expected. The Titans, that was the one game the Browns did win with Johnny Manziel at quarterback in those first three. And the Raiders, a little bit better than everybody else thought. Browns got down big early in that one. Uh, put some lipstick on a pig late, but, you know, still much, pretty much got beat at home by the Raiders, which isn't the best thing. Chargers, all right. Chargers are a pretty good team. We lost in overtime thanks to somebody jumping offside to be Traymond Williams on a field goal attempt. Uh, the right. Ravens are awful. Uh, the Ravens are just flat out one of the worst teams in the NFL. So the Browns beat them. That's good news to kind of get that monkey off your back. And then the Broncos game was close. I think that says a whole lot more about the Broncos than it does the Browns. Uh, where are the Browns hit it? That's a great question because uh, who knows? Some weeks the offense plays really well. Uh, you know, uh, McCown threw for a franchise record like 400 and something yards against the Ravens. And then the next week against Denver, who has an actual NFL defense, he looked really bad again, and the defense played well. So it's kind of been right. – there's been no week where the Browns have really kind of put it all together other than the Tennessee game, but their offense was just so neutered in that game, you can't even really give them credit in that one. So, honestly, it's kind of been Jekyll or Hyde, Jekyll or Hyde, what team is going to show up. Is it going to be the offensive team or the defensive team? They have yet to put a full game together – Quite honestly, my hopes aren't very high for Sunday. I'm more of a, and I hate to be like that. I'm just, I don't want to say pessimistic. I'm more of a realistic Browns fan at this point in time. I have no idea what this roster is. I have no idea how it's been created. And uh, right now, I think this team and franchise really kind of is at a crossroads here with these next couple of games because you're at the Rams, then against the Cardinals, Bengals, and Steelers who will have you know, Ben Roethlisberger back at that point in time. Those are four games. If you lose all four of those games, you're two and eight. And that's another awful year with Jimmy Haslam being the insane owner that he is, fire everybody. These are a very couple important weeks. And, you know, no offense to the Rams, but you look at that, that's obviously, you think, the most winnable of the next four games. So when you look at kind of the up-and-down Jekyll and Hyde nature, is there anything that you can pin that on? Is there anything that you think helps explain that? The Rams go through a similar thing, at least for the last couple of years under Jeff Fisher, and the two things we've always looked at is the fact that it's been the youngest uh, team in the NFL every year, uh, as well as the fact they've had so much turnover uh, on the coaching staff. Is it the turnover? Is it uh, something else that you can point to? Is it just something so random that you can't really get a hold of? In in the long scheme view of it, it's it's got to be the turnover. I mean, the Browns have had since 1999 something like 13 offensive coordinators. Uh, I think there's only been like three times where they've had two offensive coordinators in back-to-back years, and this year it's a new offensive coordinator. But this year uh, the offense has played well. Uh, uh, DiFilippo has been really good offensively. He's really kind of leaned on an offensive side of things. My thing is, the Browns, are, believe it or not, are one of the oldest starting units in the NFL. Now, that number kind of gets inflated with Josh McCown being 1,000 years old. But uh, yeah, to me, I just think it's a general lack of talent. And that sounds weird to say, but, you know, the Browns' skill position players, why okay, don't really scare you. I mean, when you grab Robert Turbin off the, you know, scrap heap from Seattle, and all of a sudden he's kind of a – oh, this guy can be our lead back. Well, that kind of tells you, you know, when other teams are throwing guys away and you're snapping them up as your top guy, that kind of explains things. The wide receivers are okay. No one scares you at all. Uh, the tight ends, uh, Gary Barnage has been fantastic, but let's be honest, he's probably, you know, he's just a guy in the NFL. He's just getting a great opportunity. And to his credit, he catches the football that's thrown to him and does the most with it. 
he sucks at blocking. Uh, there isn't a decent blocker um, when you talk about fullbacks or tight ends on the Cleveland Browns roster. Uh, so the run game sinks. So you have to throw the football here. And when you have to throw the football and it's Josh McCown, it's, that thing's going to turn into a pumpkin sooner or later. And, uh, and I, it turned into a pumpkin last week for the Browns. So the up-and-down nature, I just think they don't have enough talent. Uh, this is a stupid franchise that drafted an offensive lineman in the first round, and he can't get off the bench because your offensive line was already one of the best in the NFL. It, it's just a stupid franchise that does stupid things. And then when you go out there on Sunday and it, you don't win another game and you go, well, why? Because you're stupid. And, again, I hate to be that negative guy, but, you know, wash, rinse, repeat, it's the same thing over and over and over. There's a lot. There are a lot of Rams fans who I think just quoted you uh, since it was back to the future day recently. I think pretty much about, what, 11 months ago we're saying the exact same thing about the Rams, so I think that's a sentiment – a lot of people share, obviously, the optimism for 2015 may be different. You mentioned Josh McCown. What, what is the deal with Johnny Manziel? I know this is this recent incident changes things, and the, the word I use for Chris McCorney is that the recency bias recolors it a little bit. How, how is it that McCown was starting and still starting over Johnny Manziel? What is the reason for that? Uh, that's a hell of a question. Uh, I have been very outspoken on Dogs by Nature uh, of why are we not finding out what Johnny Manziel is? Good, bad, or ugly? Uh, you have to find out one way or the other because Josh is out in the so, right? playoffs. Right, and you're just really wasting time. And you're wasting another year of development of everybody. My personal opinion, and I have absolutely zero to back this up other than what I observed, I don't think, the, I don't think Johnny Manziel is going to play this year unless – Josh McCown gets hurt. I think Mike Pettin despises young players when it comes to the quarterback position. I think he has zero interest in playing Johnny Manziel, whether it's last year, whatever. Now, part of it is the off-the-field stuff. Like this, you know, I, I heard you say, what is it? Is it an incident? Is kerfuffle, whatever word you would like kerfuffle. to use. Kerfuffle. That's a good one. Uh, and if, if it's any other player, uh, I mean, maybe 15 guys in the NFL. If it's any other, you know, if it's not a Tom Brady, somebody like that, or a Johnny Manziel, this doesn't even register. It, it sounds right. like his girlfriend, uh, you know, and him got into an argument. You know, whoever's right, whoever's wrong, that's not for me to say. But, you know, you have the Cleveland beat writers saying that, you know, Johnny Manziel needs to go back to rehab. Quite not, we don't even know what Johnny Manziel went to rehab for. I think a lot of people just assume it's drugs and alcohol, and that's probably a very safe assumption. Uh, but we don't know. And, you know, he could, it could have been painkillers. I don't know, and I'm not going to sit here and go over that. It, what it is is a guy who got in an argument with his girlfriend. It happens. And, and it, is it a big deal? It's only a big deal because it's Johnny Manziel. So getting back to the football field side of things, he looked good in his game against Tennessee. He wasn't asked to do a ton. The game-winning touchdown, actually, was a play that he really improvised. And they talked about that afterwards, the coaching staff. So now McCown has played well. Uh, Josh McCown, for the most part, has not been the reason you've lost games as the Cleveland Browns, and other than maybe the Broncos game. But in the long and short of it, this this isn't a team going to the playoffs. This isn't a team winning the you know Super Bowl this year. Why not find out what you have instead of finding out what a 36, 35-year-old quarterback who's been around the block, who coached high school football a couple years ago, can do? And I think it just comes back at the end of the day. Coach Mike Patton wants to run the football and 
give it to his defense. He's a defensive guy. He's from Rex Ryan's tree. He He's one of those guys that thinks that he can win with defense and special teams. You can't do that anymore. And Yeah, you'll have your certain teams that can do it every now and then, like Seattle. But you know what? Those are very tight windows. You need a lot of things to go right. And that's what we're seeing with Seattle now. Once a couple of those things start to go haywire, all of a sudden that team does not look very good. You have to develop the quarterback. You have to answer that quarterback position. Once you do that, everything gets really easy. And we have no idea what Johnny Manziel is. And are you going to go into next year with saying, all right, well, this will be the year for Johnny Manziel? That's assuming that we still have the same coaching staff in front office. You know, we could out be in, we could just be starting all over again as the Cleveland Browns and the Cleveland Browns fan base. It's just, it's maddening, man. It's I watch every Sunday and just say, what the hell is we doing? And we don't know. And, hey, that's cool. You guys get to be the beneficiary probably come Sunday. We're talking to Matt Wood from Dogs by Nature. I was really hoping to get more clarity on that. I think I'm more confused than I was when I asked. Um, before we get into the defense, one thing you mentioned was taking Cameron Irving in the first round and obviously the strength of that unit uh, on the offensive side seems to be the offensive line. Rams fans obviously are probably going to recognize uh, old John Greco there at right guard, mm-hmm. Alex Max, quality center, Joe Thomas out there at left tackle. If you're if you're running this offense and you've got that offensive line, despite the lack of a, a quarterback quality, how, how is it that you guys aren't getting more success with that offensive line? Is it just that McCown isn't capable of making throws? Is it that you don't have running backs with the vision or athleticism? Because one of the things Rams fans have lamented is the lack of an offensive line. I think a lot of Rams fans would be jealous and open to taking an offensive line of y'all's quality. Well, what is it that you think is struggling around the offensive line that isn't able to take advantage of what they do? Uh, personally, I think the biggest thing is scheme. Uh, last year, the Browns uh, had Kyle Shanahan as their offensive coordinator. Obviously, Shanahan's out of that uh, Kubiak. Shanahan, you know, we're going to run the stretch. We're going to run the stretch zone, and, and then we'll pop it back on cutbacks. And the Browns did really well with that last year. Alex Max got hurt. Brian Hoyer went in the can, and everyone kind of right. stopped the run game. Well, that wasn't just because Alex Mack got hurt. That's lazy. That, that's because Brian Hoyer's a bad quarterback. Uh, this year, they went back to more of a power kind of offense. There are some zone things in there with uh, Flip's offense. But this offensive line was really, really successful zone-wise. They don't really do very well with power football. Joe Thomas, as great as he is, is a better zone blocker than he is a power blocker. Same thing with Alex Mack. Uh, you have a couple of guys there that just are kind of playing in a different, or I shouldn't say different, just maybe uh, a scheme that doesn't suit their strengths. And then you add in the running back position. Uh, Crow, he's good, but he, he seems to be much better running to the outside, but he lacks that top-end speed. Duke Johnson has got the big top-end speed, but you breathe on him and he, he, he goes down. He, he doesn't run through any sort of contact. He can catch the football out of the backfield. And then you have Turbin in there who, okay, you have three guys who are just a guy. And it's interesting, uh, Todd Gurley was really heavily mentioned to the Cleveland Browns. I personally, we do our you know our big boards like we're some sort of experts on dogs by nature, and I had him as far and away the top prospect in this draft because the Browns, and I hate, I loathe, I think it's the dumbest thing you can do in, in, in the NFL is use a first-round draft pick on a running back. But I think Dorsey's that good. Or, uh, excuse me, uh, Gurley's that good. And you're getting to see that a little bit. Uh, so 
What's it? What is it? I wish I could tell you. I, I already mentioned that the tight ends can't block a soul, and, and they, the Browns continually match them up all the time. Uh, last week, they had Barnage blocking Von Miller one-on-one. Believe it or not, that play went for a loss of three. So it's just stupid things like that, and it's just not the perfect formation and perfect this. It's just every single play, it seems like there's one thing off. They just can't get things in gear. So, uh, again, long story short, a lot of things are wrong with the run game, and I don't see it getting much better because defenses aren't going to sag off. You're not going to worry about Brian Hartline beating you over top. Brian Hartline beats you over top. You know, you need to start looking for a different safety. Uh, that's not a, you know, okay, we got to play off kind of deal. So uh, that's just kind of – you don't have anybody who's, you know, who can really stretch the defense on the outside. You don't have a difference maker in the running back position. You're going to have to grind out run yards. And you talked about the team's history on the defensive side. Let's flip from the rushing offense over to the rushing defense. Uh, obviously, with Todd Gurley, Rams fans are excited about what we're doing on the ground and looking to, to that to kind of carry the entire offense. Although I think you saw against Pittsburgh and to a degree against Green Bay, uh, both sides of that coin, though, if it's not working, how much your offense can struggle. And even if it is, when the passing game can't complement it, what 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 is pretty much impossible is to lean on a rushing offense that can't close the deal. I think the question is against you guys is that at least statistically. You guys are struggling so much in the run game on defense. What's contributing to that? Is that another thing where the context is is being obscured, or is that you know the, do the numbers really suggest that uh, you guys are really struggling on run defense just because the talent's not there? Uh, they're awful. Uh, they're awful against the run, uh, just flat out. The Browns have always been awful. I think the number is something like 15 out of the 17 years that the Browns have been back since '99 they finished like 28th or worst against the run. Don't hold me to that, but it's something absurd like that. And they're on their way again this year. Uh, they're right now averaging five yards a carry against defensively. Uh, that's that's high school kind of stuff. Uh, they give up. And by the way, it's not like a small sample, like somebody ripped off a couple of huge runs. No one's been run against more this year than the Cleveland Browns. And they're giving up the most yards in the NFL. They're also giving up the most yards our second most yards per carry. It's because they right. cannot set an edge. Their outside linebackers are terrible against the run. Uh, Barcavius Mingo is just trash. Uh, he cannot do anything really well. Uh, Nate Orchard's a young kid, but he looks it. Uh, it's just the, 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 the middle of the defense has actually not been too bad. Danny Shelton's not been good. Uh, he's had some ups and downs, more downs and ups, as the first-round draft mm-hmm. pick there in the nose. He's been okay. Uh, they spent a lot of money in the offseason uh, getting some, you know, defensive ends. They brought in Randy Starks. Desmond Bryant's been there. Uh, they re-signed John Hughes. So their defensive front is okay. There's no difference maker up there. And uh, their inside linebackers have not been good as well. So you put it all together, uh, hey, hey, just between you and me, man, when it comes to FanDuel and DraftKings, I have Todd Gurley in every single one of my lineups. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I've done it every single week. Two weeks ago, Justin Forsett, absolutely. Uh, and it's, it's look, if something happens every single day, you'd be foolish not to expect it. The Browns can't stop the run. It's like the sunrise, man. It's going to happen. And this is flat out on Jim O'Neill, the defensive coordinator, and Mike Patton. Unlike the offense, this is the exact same scheme the Browns had last year. 
there shouldn't be breakdowns like this, and it's happening all the time. Dante Whitner has not been good. He was awful early on the year, at the beginning of the year. He's been better, uh, still not good, uh, but he was missing tackles at a borderline historic rate early on in the season. He's cleaned it up a little bit, but, you know, you shouldn't be depending on your strong safety to be making tackles almost every single play. So I, if the Rams are going to have a little bit of success, I think it's going to be around the edge. I mean, this is a team that gave up almost 100 yards to Dexter McCluster. Dexter McCluster's mom wouldn't start him in fantasy, but you better against the Browns. <laughs> it's been that bad in the in the run game. And uh, it's I, – I, look, I don't expect it to get better against the Rams. I, maybe it'll get better at some point in time this year, but as I said, I'm a huge girly guy. I think he's very good. I, I don't think that all of a sudden they're just going to say, all right, this is the week we you know, we stop sucking against the run. So that's the one big thing I worry about, and I know everybody else on DBN is worried. I think everyone's pretty much penciled in a buck fifty at minimum against Gurley, and uh, can the offense keep up is kind of the mentality right now. Yeah, I think that's what most Rams fans are looking at is, is trying to lean on Todd Gurley and hoping he opens things up. We're talking to Matt Wood from Dogs by Nature. Uh, Matt, speaking of the running backs, obviously for the Rams, Todd Gurley's coming back from an ACL injury, but I thought it was interesting. They've got Trey Mason on the injury report. Let's look at things from your side. The big name that jumped out to me was Joe Hayden. Is there any word on whether he's going to be able to go or not on Sunday? Uh, he's not going to play. Uh, the Browns are saying very doubtful right now. Uh, he's in the concussion protocol, and he's been really banged up this year. Uh, his play's been really disappointing. Early on in the year, uh, he was pretty much getting beat one-on-one matchups. Then he got hurt in the Oakland game on, I think, the first play. And Amari Cooper kind of ate him up. But Brandon Marshall played well against him as well. He's just not been playing well. There's some really wild off-the-field rumors. And that's all they are right now, that he's hooked up in some sort of drug money laundering scheme. And that is... As I said, that's way off the reservation when it comes to rumors. Y'all just got uh, all there's... kinds of drama, man. And, and I get it. The well, St. Louis Rams are the anti-drama team in the NFL. The worst drama we've ever had is that Janoris Jenkins missed a team meeting and had to run stairs before a game. Y'all got like real. Y'all got like MTV TLC level drama. Yeah, and it gets old. It does. You know, our owner is being investigated for, or still, I should say was being investigated for by the FBI for ripping off customers with fuel rebates. Uh, the offensive line coach was canned right before uh, or suspended before the first week of the season for boozing it up and getting into it with his old lady. Uh, then he got fired a couple weeks later. Uh, what else happened? Uh, some, I'm forgetting something. There's a couple of – oh, yeah, our GM is an idiot, and he texted the sideline like a <laughs> nine-year-old girl to tell people to play people. Um, so we had that. He was suspended for the first four games of the year. Um, our best wide receiver, who's a freak of nature, can't stop smoking pot and got busted drinking alcohol after the season and got suspended for a full year because that's Roger Goodell, and that makes a ton of sense. So, yeah, you're right. Is it drama? Absolutely. Top to bottom is nonstop. I tell you what, man, every time my phone alert goes off on Twitter, that stomach drops a little bit because it's just it's always something. And you know what? This is it's always something with poorly run franchise. You know, and you guys are, you know, Rams fans, you get to see, you know, right now Seattle's a good franchise. They run their stuff well. You never see this kind of crap from the Patriots. Granted, they get the cheating stuff, that's fine. I would die for my team to cheat. 
you know, at least give enough of a crap to do that instead of text people on the sidelines. So, you know, it's, I guess I shouldn't be complaining because, you know, you could be bad and boring. At least the Browns are bad and entertaining off the field wise. But I tell you what, man, it does get old. And I, I, this is kind of maybe a little off topic, but it's interesting to me that I think a lot more Browns fans are getting apathetic towards everything than anger. And that's a dangerous thing for me because LeBron's back. And say what you want, if LeBron wins, Cleveland will always be a football town. But that town and the fan base has just gotten tired of just it, – it's just a beaten dog syndrome. You're just tired of it, man. What's next? And that's the thing. Uh, the, the funny thing is it can't get worse. Because as soon as you say it can't get worse, want to bet? Because then all of a sudden the Joe Hayden rumor pops up. It, it's uh, it, it's just a sigh. That's all it is being a Cleveland Browns fan, man. So that so then what are we looking? Let, let's make it. Let's go down to the micro level just in terms of Sunday. All that chaos, all the drama from the big picture, what do you expect on Sunday? Obviously, we talked about the run offense for the Rams going against your run defense. What, what do you think Rams fans should be concerned about? Is there anything that you think you guys do well or anything that you've got some confidence in? That special teams. <laughs> uh, you know, the, 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 the Browns special teams unit is fantastic. A- a- Andy Lee, they picked up. Obviously, you guys remember him with the San Francisco 49ers. Has been sure. awesome kicking the football. Uh, Coons, their play kicker. Has been he's been fantastic. He hasn't missed a kick. The question is how far away can he kick? He's never made a field goal over fifty yards. Uh, I can't. We couldn't find any stats. We went looking for it in college, and we couldn't find any stats that said he kicked a field goal over fifty in college. And he hasn't done it in the NFL. But he's been money inside forty yards. So that's the good news. And then the kick return game. Travis Benjamin's been awesome. And if you want to talk about one guy who does scare you a little bit on the offensive side of things, it's Travis Benjamin. He is. Maybe the fastest player in the NFL, that's no joke. I mean, he's about the whip of a straw, but he's catching the football, he's protecting his body, and he's burning defenses deep. Uh, And his kick return game is phenomenal. So if there's one place that you can do it, it's right there. And the Browns really have been in every game. I know you're listening to this and you think, oh, my God, this may be the worst team in the history of the universe. They're not. I mean, they are still good on the offense and defensive lines, so they'll stay in games. And, you know, if you can, if the other team's going to make some mistakes and throw us a couple, well, then, yeah, the Browns can be in this one, no doubt. But they have to have some things go well. The, the games that they've really hung around and they've really been good special teams-wise. Matt, thank you guys for coming on again. Everybody, it was Matt Wood, Dogs by Nature. That was a lot of fun, but it, it felt like I was looking into a mirror. Too, too much of that felt a little too close to home. And... Yeah, you know, and, I could, and let me say this. You know, I know you guys are going through it with, you know, the owner possibly moving a team, you know, take this from a Browns fan, make sure you know, and make sure you let everybody know what a bunch of BS that is. Because uh, obviously Browns fans had to be without football for three years while that piece of dirt Art Modell counted his money. What happens on Sunday, know that the Cleveland Browns fans are in your corner when it comes to that kind of stuff, man, because that's just, that's a bunch of trash. There you go. I'm sure St. Louis fans are going to love to hear that again. Everybody is Matt Wood from Dogs by Nature. Thanks for coming on, man. Anytime, guys. See you, man. Good stuff from Matt Wood, Dogs by Nature. Uh, interesting to hear how similar it was. I said it was like looking into a mirror. So much of that seems so similar.
to what we've dealt with as Rams fans, the inconsistency, the, uh, the ups and downs, the uh, unreliability. Obviously, you know, we're looking at a more uh, optimistic situation than they are in terms of the immediate future, but I certainly feel his, uh, his reticence in terms of buying into the product. And from a, from a local fan who has been burned one too many times, I think that's something, uh, St. Louis fans can certainly understand looking at the franchise where we're at. Um, interesting. I just saw we had two callers on the line, and everybody jumped off. It was like they knew it was coming. Get back on the line, man. Holler at me. Number is 347-857-1022. Again, that's 347-857-1022. Um, yeah, we mentioned it coming out of the buy. Things look good. I went through the schedule. Uh, we'll look at it again real quick. In front of us is the Browns game, and you got to take it week to week. And we know that's just a cliche that NFL players offer up. But it's true. If you get past that, you start to look at the totality of it. And when you're a Rams fan looking at the last three years under Jeff Fisher, there's no reason to think that the Rams aren't going to go, you know, two and three, three and four, three and two, four and four, whatever the mix is, that it's going to be some mix of unnecessary losses and surprising wins and just trudging through on uh, on a mix of talent and mistakes and, you know, promise and misexecution and all that kind of stuff that's gone into the last three years. We we hope it gets ironed out. And, and, and it feels like there's a chance for it, but damn, if we haven't seen it so often that it's hard to buy into it. Um, so we'll see. I mean, you start with the Cleveland on Sunday. Then you've got uh, Seattle, or excuse me, San Francisco. I think that's going to be an interesting one um, with them, you know, facing Seattle right now, struggling. Colin Kaepernick's just not in a great place this season. And uh, I, I don't know how that's going to work itself out with Jim Tom Sula, first-year head coach, but it's obvious that they don't really have everything together. So it, it may be a while before we get challenged by San Francisco, but we'll have to see. I mean, they're coming – to the Edward Jones Dome in two weeks. So I think that's going to be an interesting game to really take stock of where both teams are at if the 49ers do go on to lose. They're down 17 nothing almost into halftime right now. So they're just not in a good place. We'll have to see. Uh, road game against the Vikings. I think that one's going to be really interesting. Now you're talking about a game that's a couple of weeks away. Things could change. We don't know where they're going to be, what kind of football those teams are playing, things like that. Uh, so any of those games beyond there, it starts to get some real speculative matchups. Uh, Chicago Bears at home, at Baltimore, at Cincinnati. And then you get into the big five-game stretch down the pipe where you've got a three-game home run, uh, Arizona, Detroit, and Tampa Bay before hitting the road at Seattle, at San Francisco to finish the season. It sets up well because you got this chunk of five games, the Bengals game, then a three-game homestand before really testing yourself on the road. I think the hope is – that you're in a position where week 16 and week 17 give you something to play for. You may not get it. You know, traveling to Seattle and San Francisco back-to-back to to finish the year is a tall task. But if the Rams are in position, at least they put themselves uh, in a spot where they've got something to play for. And that's something they haven't had in a long time. Looks like we got a caller on the line from the 501. I think I might know who this is from the 501. What's going on? You're on Tertial Radio. Hello. Hello, 501. You want to hop on Hello, Radio? Oh, you're here. I know, I know, oh, I know yeah. who this is. Come on, how many oh, callers do yeah. you think we got from the 501? It's Tevin Broner, everybody, <laughs> the special one, the magnificent. What's up, T? Hey, I'm good, Joe. Hey, I appreciate you having me on, man. You, you're the man, Joe. 
Hey, Joe. Man, I was worried. Do you mind if I tell everybody what took so long about Trump's show radio not being on the air? I know it's a secret. Go, you don't you, want me to tell everybody, but <laughs> I know it's an interesting story. Yeah, Tevin, I'm a, I'm a listener now. I want you to take the mic. All right, so for those who don't know, Joe, he does Secret Service for international <laughs> politics. So I know you guys heard about the Pope coming down here. Who do you think set all of that up? Our man Joe. So, you know, that took a few weeks of preparation. He even had to ask me for some big crit songs for the Pope. Surprised me, you know the Pope listened to Southern rap. Like, I was like, "Wow, Pope listened to Big Crit." But yeah, that surprised me. But yeah, so for those who don't know, Joe does his whole international secret. <clears throat> secret. Don't tell anybody. Hope the government is listening. If they are, my name is Tevin. It's Kevin. Kevin James. I don't want to get arrested <laughs> for anything. <laughs> And also, for, I've, I've seen it, you know, my man Joe, he's around some good stuff lately. And I know it could be bordering the negative side. I feel like I've been a little bit more negative than Joe has. I even had to change my Twitter handle to Trolling T. But for those who think that Joe is really negative about the Rams, go to Big Cat Country. Go to the Jaguars SB Nation site. See what they're saying about Gus Bradley. Like, they have, like, 10 articles dedicated to firing this coach who's been in less than two years or two and a half years. I mean, we haven't went that far yet. So, good job, Joe. You're keeping us on our toes, man. <laughs> well, hey, just be careful. Next time I might send, you know, the Pope down to Arkansas. Now, that's that would be a game changer. Good Lord. Can you imagine? Hey, well, Can you imagine the I'm Pope in, in North I'm Little Rock? Soon. <laughs> That's right. You are leaving soon. I don't see that as being a coincidence. Uh, T, let's talk about the defensive piece you had up on, on the site yesterday, right? Uh, defensive yes, players sir. on the rebound. It was Akeem Ayers, Nick Tharp, Nick Fairley, Chris Long, and LaMarcus Joyner. Uh, which of those, obviously, Chris Long is dealing with the injury. If there's one of those four, Akeem Ayers, Nick Fairley, obviously with Alec Ogletree, there's an opportunity for Ayers to step up, though Mark Barron sounds like he's going to be the first guy and has that the big playing time there, but there's a chance for Ayers to step up. Nick Fairley, certainly part of that defensive line rotation, as is Chris Long. Big question mark as to whether Chris Long's going to even be a part of this team moving forward after 2015, but we don't need to get that far ahead. And then LaMarcus Joyner, who with EJ Gaines out, has a huge opportunity to take advantage of 2015. Who are you the most excited about seeing the, the rest of the stretch? Honestly, really the only yeah. player that I'm kind of excited about, because, you know, he's going to be here for a while. LaMarcus Joyner, not because I think he's going to be a great corner. I think over the offseason, we're going to re-sign Janoris Jenkins. E.J. Gaines is going to come back. That first pick, we're going to end up drafting a high-class corner. But I have a feeling that Joyner is going to end up taking that Mark Barron role. So I'm excited about him. You know, I think, you know, he's small. It's going to be surprising to see him play an outside linebacker some, you know, when the Mark when Mark Barron leaves after this year, but when you watch him, when you watch Jordan play, he's a great tackler. He's great in a short area, so I think that's his future. So watch him play corner. He's been okay in coverage, not horrible, but he does a lot of those big plays, like against the Packers against what was it, T. Rob McGump? I forgot his name. 
And the thing that the thing that frustrates me about Lamarcus is that he's in position. He just doesn't have great ball skills. You know, he he's got a very technically savvy game. He'll be in the right position, and the quarterback will throw it right at him anyway. And he sometimes he just doesn't stop it in some big plays, third down plays, short plays to convert first downs. I think that's what frustrates me. But you're right, he has a good tacker. I like him in run support. Rams have some solid run uh, tackling quarterbacks which is one of those things that you can always rely on when you've got the capability that you do on the defensive line to pressure the pass, that you've got something on the run game on the outside. That's always a nice addition. Talk to me about the offense, though. Obviously, your favorite sleeper for years, Isaiah Teed, is no longer St. Louis Rand. Who's, who's the new gem? Who's the new diamond in the rough with Kevin Broner? <laughs> you know what? Honestly, everybody going to say Stedman Bailey. The thing with Stedman Bailey is, you know, I loved him for a while. He's, he has a good catch. He can catch, good catch on radius. He's one of the good routes. He does He's a good dad. I don't know. Did you see the St. Louis Rams? They tweeted out, he's a good dad. I don't know if that's a kiss of death, but anytime, <laughs> anytime the team's saying, hey, well, he's a good dad, it's like, damn, that's all you <laughs> well, I'm sure he's a better dad than Kenny Britt is a no, – I'm not even going to go there. Just in case I forgot that story. I'm not going to bring it back up. So, <laughs> it's Jared Cook. Joking. It's not Jared I love Cook. it. Go ahead. I, I felt it. I felt <laughs> I felt the energy when I said Jared Cook. I know you was like, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> the, breath, the breath just got sucked out of me. Oh, I, <laughs> I mean, obviously, not obvious, but I feel like the only sleeper I can see on this offense is Brian Quick. Like, you know, Stephen Bailey, he he's a good dad. He has the potential to be a good slot receiver. But do you really see, Joe, do you really see Stephen Bailey catching 100 balls or getting like 700, 800 yards a year? So, I know, but I was never I, huge on Stedman. I, I think people fell in love with the end of his rookie season. I never was huge on him. I think here's the thing. The Rams don't have a system for a guy like Stedman Bailey. That, how are you going to fit Stedman Bailey into this system when everybody's saying you have to get touches for Todd Gurley, you have to get touches for Tavon? Where are you going to find Stedman Bailey when you've got Brian Quick and Kenny Britt and Jared Cook on the offense? I just don't know how, I don't know how he's going to get enough targets to really justify anything outside of being a role guy. Yeah, even though everybody hates, everybody hates Jared Cook, there's a reason why the Rams always, you know, why Nick Foles has to throw it to him because he's usually open. He doesn't catch it, but, I mean, you have to throw it to the open guy. It just makes sense. Now, could we make a case and say, hey, maybe Les Kendricks could take that role? Yeah, he could block, but Jared Cook just has the athleticism. He's not going to make any big plays. Everybody's going to continue to hate him. He's going to keep dropping key passes. But until he leaves, he's going to have to be a big part of the offense too. So the only other person I could see being a sleeper has to be Brian Quick. And it's kind of iffy because who knows where he is because he had a very tough, I heard it was like maybe career-ending type of injury that he's battling back from. I think it was like a torn rotator cuff, something along those lines that, Mm, he's been slow building back up, but hopefully after this bye week, he can get back into the starter role and keep the team where he was last year. Because, you know, last year he fell off, I believe, the last game before he got hurt. But I believe those five games, Kenny Britt took the back seat, Brian Clip became the guy that everybody thought he would be. 
So if he can regain that flair, then, you know, maybe the Rams go from 31th in, thirty one in offense to 26th, 25th, 24th. Maybe that would be enough to maybe push for the playoff berth. But right now, with just Tavon Austin and Tom Gurley, there's no way they play for the playoffs. Like, I'd be surprised they win seven games if they can't get Brian Quick or Kenny Britt more involved in the offense. Because once you – because, you know, like you, like you said all the time, Joe, <laughs> we've had good running backs in St. Louis before. Nothing against Tom Gurley. Tom Gurley's a damn good running back. Nothing against him at all. But he had 120, 150 yards against the Packers, and we lost. Like, there was no way. Like, in the third quarter of the game, you knew it was over. You knew it was over. That- so, there are very few things that have shocked me as being a Rams fan the last couple of years than how quickly people forgot Steven Jackson. Like, he got erased from Rams fans' memories, like, within weeks. I don't know how that happened. I, I just don't understand how that the, they talked about Tom Gurley. Man, we had a running back in a decade. Like, what? <laughs> what? Where did y'all go between 2004 and 2011? I don't know. I don't know, man. It's one of those things where I thought we all learned from it. But it, who knows? Different people take different lessons different ways, and that's part of what makes Tertial Times fun. Talking to Tevin Broner, a.k.a. T-Brown, here on Tertial Times. we got time for one more call. If you hit us up, 347-857-1022. Tev, let me ask you, man, what's going on on Sunday? What do you expect? Obviously, everybody's going to be leaning into Todd Gurley. Is it too obvious? Is it too obvious now that the Browns are going to load up on the rushing defense and stop him? Is there going to be an extra opportunity for the Rams passing offense? What do you think? Honestly, after watching that Packers game, Nick Foles had like maybe two seconds to throw. It depends. I know the the Browns really don't have great rushers, and, you know, looking at the schedule, luckily the Rams aren't facing a whole bunch of great rushing teams, pass rushing teams. But, damn, the Packers really wasn't great at pass rushing. They were great at blitzing, great at blitzing. But pass rushers, though, they weren't that great. So... I feel like Todd Gurley's still going to get his 100 to 120 yards. He might not have a big game, as everybody says. Maybe he has 80 yards in the touchdown. Hopefully he gets his first touchdown. Uh, honestly, like you said, I, I feel like they're going to they're gonna put the box in. They're going to have like seven people up there because everybody knows that he can run on the Browns. The cornerbacks aren't great. So if the offensive line can hold up, maybe. Maybe the Rams, maybe Tavon also go deep for a touchdown. But, you know, they're coming off a of bye. He's like the only wide receiver you have to care about. So, I feel like you double cover Tavon Austin. You know, when he's going deep, you can let him have the short stuff. He might break, but you'll take that chance as a defense. I and mean, there's really nobody else on this offense you can worry about. So, Kenny Britt, he's streaky. He has, you know, surprising deep speed. So he might go deep for a long one. Stephen Bailey, same thing. Hopefully, Brian Quick could get together, but I don't see how you could just say, yeah. You know, the, <laughs> the Browns might have a bad defense, but you can't just say that. You it's know, still the Rams. It's still the Rams. Yeah, it's the Rams. <laughs> like, for years, the Rams' pass game has been so horrible. Everybody, everybody knows they have to stop the run to beat the Rams, and they do, and we still can't. Get more than 200 passing yards a game. It's a shame because, you know, we have a good running back in Todd Gurley. We have Tavon Nelson, who 
you know, he, he's a good player, but he's a honestly he's a gadget player. Hell of a gadget player at times, but he's still a he's still a gadget player who needs his touches. Like somebody really has hopefully it's Brian Quinn, but five Browns I don't know who else five Browns to watch. When are we getting our five Browns to watch from Tevin? Tomorrow? Well what I'm doing tomorrow, I'm finishing I'm finishing the offensive players a rebound. So you know I'm gonna have Trey Mason on there, hopefully I feel like Trey Mason has been battling an injury this whole year, so we might see some more of him because, you know, once he was drafted, Jeff Fisher said he's a change of pace guy. So we're going to see. So I feel like I'm, I'm going to finish that. I'm going to finish that article first. I have like five words left or right. Came outside to get a workout out by this nice big damn bridge. That's really the name of the bridge. Right by this nice <laughs> bridge. So after I get done with this workout, I knocked that out. The Browns players to watch will probably come out probably Saturday, Saturday or Sunday, right before the game. Have to keep people waiting. Have to find some five to watch too. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, now we know what to say. Hey, thanks for having me, Tim. Hey, no problem. Joe. Have a good one. I know. Tevin Broner, aka T Brown. Y'all know where to find him on site on Twitter. T underscore Brown. He's a trip, man. Tevin's always making me laugh. Uh, got a little bit before we're going to close out the show. Let's take a look at the draft, obviously. And I, I need to write this out because I, I, I seem to be saying it quite often on Twitter and Facebook. For people that say, oh, are we looking at, are we looking at the draft already? Yes, we're looking at the draft already. What's wrong? The Rams have scouts at week one of college football. They're looking at college football when it starts. You're, alla- you're allowed to watch NFL games and watch college. Just because you watch college football and look at the draft doesn't mean you're giving up. Don't be a dummy. Don't be a dummy, dummy. Go play some Jim Runny, dummy. Be a dummy. Of course you can look at the draft. Ah, it makes me so sad. It makes me so sad. But it is what it is. You can't convert everybody, man. Just hope that enough of us follow along to make it fun. And that's part of what we got. I was going to try to get some draft stuff up this week. I didn't get to it. So hopefully I'll get there next week. Piss off the dummies. Uh, Kevin mentioned it, cornerback. I've seen a couple needs pieces being thrown around at NFL.com. I saw they have cornerback up there, defensive end. Um, a lot of this contract-related, uh, not necessarily need-based. I think if you're looking at need-based, wide receiver and tight end, a lot of people are still looking at offensive line, but I think you got to look at the fact that you've got second-year player in Greg Robinson, rookies in Jermon Brown and Rob Havenstein. It's too early to move on from those guys. Roger Saffold's an interesting one because of the injury now. The Rams have obviously shown a willingness to move on from guys who have uh, suffered some big injuries more than once in their career, Sam Bradford, Jake Long. Uh, Maybe that means they're coming to an end with Roger Saffold, but he's the only real veteran on this offensive line. If you go and replace Roger Saffold with a a rookie, or maybe, you know, Garrett Reynolds plays his way onto a meaningful spot in 2016, but if they look to a rookie to replace him, in 2016, and you've got third year in Craig Robinson, second year guys in Brown Havenstein, rookie at the other guard spot. Who knows what we're going to get out of Tim Brown again? If you haven't gone and voted in that poll that Lanny, aka Rambuck, put on the site, go check it out. Give us your observations on the offense and what you think they should be doing moving forward. But a lot of people who are real skeptical skeptical of Tim Barnes' future on the team and on the offensive line. So I think it's going to be interesting to see as we get through the season and the needs start shaping up what that means. Uh, assuming that EJ Gaines and Alec Ogletree come back, uh, you're looking at pretty much a comprehensive defense that should be able to come back for the most part 
in uh, for how it's uh, currently constructed. We're going to have to have some roster reconstruction in terms of the contracting, and Kevin Demos going to have to work some magic. Although, <clears throat> obviously, with the meeting on what is it Tuesday and the, a lot of the drama on the Los Angeles scene that's going to be coming down as the closer we get to the end of the season. I think the contracting side of what Kevin Demoff does isn't going to be as important for what uh, some of his other responsibilities are for the team for a lot of St. Louis fans, and that's understandable. Uh, but looking for the draft specifically, I think you got to take it position by position if you're looking at wide receiver. I know Rambuck has been putting it out there. Obviously, he's running the Tertial Times Twitter account uh, when I'm not up on it. I'm a big fan of wide receiver Laquan Treadwell out of Ole Miss. He's a plus Brian Quick. dude's got size. Power. He's six foot two, I think. Uh, not not huge, not like two twenty or anything. Uh, not as big as like Ricky Seals Jones, if you've seen him, or a redshirt sophomore out of Texas A and M. That guy's huge. Uh, Lacron Treadwell's just got plus size, very fluid, uh, really good uh, capability to run up the route tree. Uh, maybe more, you know, respectable in terms of comparison towards Julio Jones, although that's a big step. I loved Julio Jones as a freshman. Took a little bit for a while for Treadwell. Uh, name that everybody's popping off with now is Corey Coleman out of Baylor. Incredibly athletic. Uh, if you saw last weekend, he's got enough jukes to uh, shake the cameraman as well as enough defenders. Uh, he's got more touchdowns than I think most teams <laughs> pretty much in college football. And he's incredible talent. Uh, two other guys you got to look at are Josh Doxson out of TCU and Tyler Boyd out of Pittsburgh. Again, like Treadwell, those are your classic big outside flankers. Six foot two, six foot three guys. Dawson's a little bit lighter, certainly lighter than Treadwell. Uh, but we'll have to see. I think, uh, you know, it was the first time that I got a real good look this season at Demarcus Robinson out of Florida. Uh, he's a real capable guy, but uh, I wonder how much his quarterback play is going to leave him behind the curve. You talk about a lot of guys when they come out of college that haven't had a lot of time to acclimate to top talent. Um, you know, you go back to looking at Brett Hundley out of UCLA as a quarterback last year. I think that was part of the case for him. We'll have to see how it affects some of these wide receivers. Same for Farrell Cooper out of South Carolina, smaller guy, under six feet, uh, but athletic, and is certainly going to offer a lot of teams the uh, capability to stretch the field horizontally. Um, LSU is going to be coming with some guys in future drafts. I'm not huge on Travin Durrell, uh, but we'll see. Maybe he can play his way in- into the discussion, although that – that offense is so stacked with wide receivers. I don't know that he's going to really make it up there. Maybe to run you Wilson. He's a real big guy. Uh, six foot four, 225, I think out of Mississippi state. Um, Leonte Carew out of Rutgers. Maybe we replace Kenny Britt with a, with a Rutgers product. Um, and obviously people are going to look at the Ohio state candidates. Michael Thomas is a big guy. Uh, and you know, who knows Braxton Miller, he looks as athletic as ever. And if he's still getting healthy, you know, that's a, the kind of guy who, with a good combine and a good offseason showing, could play his way uh, into contention for the league. Going to be real interesting to see if he makes it on. Um, if we're talking about offensive linemen, those are real tough to judge at this point because so many colleges are still getting their lines kind of into game-to-game mode. I guess that's not true for the last two weeks, but in, until then, especially when I was looking at early on, a lot of these lines, I didn't see guys where I thought I'd see him. Laramie Tunzel may be your number one overall tackle. He hasn't even played yet with some of the uh, uh, the infractions, I guess you could put it, with Ole Miss. Uh, I think this week it will be his first week back. Um, so you can start tuning into Ole Miss if you want to see Tunzel along with Treadwell at wide receiver and obviously Robert and Kemdi Che, the defensive lineman, uh, who's uh, probably an early first-round prospect himself. 
Uh, Ronnie Stanley is a big tackle prospect at Notre Dame. Very fluid guy. If you haven't caught Notre Dame football, they're going to be fun to watch. Big game for them this weekend. They've been disappointing, obviously, but uh, losing you know quarterback position, having to go to Zaire. They, they've got some issues on the defense, but they're playing fun football to watch. And if you watched them last week against USC, a uh, big win for them, 41 to 31, um, to keep their season together uh, after the loss to Clemson in what week five or whatever. And they're got plenty of talent. It's just you know I see them at least losing one or two down the stretch, despite the talent, because they got Temple and Pittsburgh who are at the back end of the top 25, and then they got Stanford to close out the season. Maybe they even drop one against Wake Forest and Boston College because it's Notre Dame and who knows. But they're a fun team to watch. And if they can get through all of them with wins, who knows? I think this is one of those seasons where you could be looking at a couple one win, maybe even a two-win team making the playoffs just because of the way things are headed. Um, back to offensive tackles, Taylor Decker, somebody I talked to Lanny a, a lot about at Ohio State, Jermaine Effetti at Texas A&M, Jack Conklin, somebody I mentioned this weekend in the college thread for the Michigan-Michigan State game. Tyler Johnston is a, a nice quality offensive tackle out at Oregon who I really like. Tough to watch Oregon football right now the way the program's playing, but uh, for Johnston it's going to be a matter of checking out medically for the combine. He had a big knee injury last year and missed all the year. Um, obviously, the Raven Clark at Texas Tech is somebody people love. Tyler Martz at Wisconsin. You can't get enough Wisconsin offensive linemen. People will be looking at him. Again, if you're talking about Wisconsin linemen and looking at center, uh, that's going to make things easy. You know, you, you, maybe maybe you need to go one, two, three. You got Rob Havenstein. You bring in Martz. Maybe you put him at the left tackle spot, and then you go ahead and get Dan Volts, their starting center. Go for an all go for an all Wisconsin line. We'll have, we'll have everybody in Wisconsin blocking for Todd Gurley. You could do worse. Nick Martin uh, out of Notre Dame is obviously a big quality prospect. If you haven't seen this offensive line at Notre Dame, you need to check him out as well as Wisconsin. Uh, Max Cork was a huge prospect at center for Southern California, but he's out for the rest of the season. Again, as somebody that's going to have to check out at the combine because he's a senior. I haven't seen. Maybe he'll uh, apply for a medical. Uh, I think it's too late for his medical redshirt. We'll have to see. Um, but if you look around the rest of the, the, the draft, I think it's still early. People are playing themselves. You haven't had a lot of the late big games. Uh, the day that I've been telling people to uh, circle is going to be November 7th. That's when you got LSU, Alabama, Florida State, Clemson. Uh, two huge games with four major teams, playoff aspirations, even though Alabama's got that loss in pocket. Uh, that's going to be a big one. If you're looking towards this weekend, uh, I think if you're looking towards the top of the draft, uh, you, you know, you got quarterbacks, guys like Connor Cook, Jared Goff at California, your pass rushers, Joey Bosa is going to be a popular number one overall pick at Ohio State. We mentioned all the uh, offensive tackles, maybe Vernon Hargreaves, Tredavious White, a cornerback at LSU. If you saw both of them, the LSU-Florida game this weekend, their quality, as is Jalen Ramsey, uh, Florida State, really solid cornerback class this year. Uh, the running backs are shaping up to, to play nicely, but I think it's a little early to talk about them for the draft. Ezekiel Elliott may be having the nicest name uh, you know, recognition for a draft prospect with Leonard Fournette and Dalvin Cook not there. Uh, but we'll have to see how it shapes out. It is still early. It's still October, which is great. we got enough time to enjoy more football. It's not like we're looking at the draft and starting to close things out, starting to you know, ask if this is a playoff push ahead of the Rams. Luckily, we've got we've got five weeks to start to figure that out. I think that's the big segue here as we close this return to Tershaw Radio. I'm going to try to get back on this with you guys. I know we have some callers in there that dropped off. Get back on here next time, man. I want to talk to you. I want to hear from you guys. Um, especially if the Rams can win these games because 
if they give us a reason to be optimistic, then they're going to have everything to play for. The, the window's wide open. Again, if you didn't get to check uh, Doug's piece, I would ask you to go ahead and give that a read because this really is what Fisher's been building for. It took him four years, perhaps. You could argue it should have been last year. Uh, but this is where we are, and this is what we've gotten. It should be enough. Cleveland, San Francisco, Minnesota, Chicago, and Baltimore. Those are, those are the five games that in year four, given where those teams are, you need to be picking up wins. And as fans, we should be expecting them to pick up wins. We should be demanding that they at least get three wins, if not four, and, and hoping to run the table. That, that's what good teams are able to do. And if the Rams aren't capable of doing that after four years of, of Jeff Fisher and Les Snead building this roster out and making the decisions, then the decisions they're making aren't good enough. And, I mean, it really is that simple. For a team that can beat Arizona that can, on the road, that can beat Seattle at home, that can hold the Steelers' offense to 12 points, including, you know, most of the game from Ben Roethlisberger, that can limit Green Bay, to 24 points and for most of the game make them look like a beatable team in Lambeau, uh, you know, th- those are the kind of things where you say, look, you've got to put that together against the rest of the league. And, and there's just no excuse. But And that's the thing. There's no excuse for doing what they did in Washington, but it happened. I think they've just got to find a way to balance that out, and I don't have any answers. I mean, if anybody's looking to listen to the end of Touch Show Radio to, to explain why Fisher Ball is so capable of doing that, of letting the floor drop out from underneath them, I don't have an answer, right? Because we, we've seen it come every which way, whether it's, you know, a, a run offense gashing them in previous years when the run defense struggled and, that's what we saw in Washington, whether it's penalties, which we've seen far too often, not only, you know, struggle uh, on the defensive side, but on the offensive side with false starts and holdings and things that uh, really kill off offensive drives for an offense that isn't capable of sustaining penalties. This isn't a team that's going to throw down field and pick up 20-yard chunks for the most part. So when you pick up a 10-yard uh, or, you know, a reset uh, offensive penalty, this isn't the kind of offense that can handle that. They can't digest that. If you're looking for, you know, maybe just a misexecution or the play calling or the the general, you know, lack of preparation, yeah, I guess those things are there, but those are really excuses, and it's just a matter of focus. This team gets as much practice time as anybody. They they spend as much time, you know, in the. It's not a matter of studying tape or things like that. They do those things. It's just a matter of bringing their A game when you need it, and and not just you know summoning it when you when you head to Arizona. When you take on Seattle, yeah, you need it then, but you need it everywhere else too. And that starts this weekend. So it's an exciting opportunity for the Rams. We're going to see what kind of early game plan they can summon coming out of the bye. There's no reason that they shouldn't have things clicking early on. We're going to have to see how they want to bring in Todd Gurley. Obviously, with the amount of work he's gotten the last two weeks, uh, Jeff Fisher alluded to it in his uh, some of his media uh, interviews last week that He's got to find a way to get those touches down. Trey Mason being on the injury report isn't helpful, but, you know, Benny Cunningham's there for a reason. Uh, and, and, you know, if Trey Mason's good to go, just because, you know, you, you need to get snaps away from Todd Gurley, it doesn't mean necessarily that they need to get carries, right? You can get Trey Mason and Benny Cunningham in there and pass more often than not and even get Todd Gurley in there, you know, for a spell just to get a down for a chip block or anything where you're not expecting him to handle a huge workload. Uh, for a week or two, at least to take it off his shoulders. But obviously the easiest way to do it is to get something somewhere else in the offense. Jared Cook is going to have to improve. The offensive line is going to have to improve. 
and not just for this five-game window, but down the stretch if they're going to be successful. They're going to have to get more out of them in the passing game. Um, those are the obvious immediate candidates. You'd like to see somebody step up, you know, a Stedman, Bailey, Brian Quick, Kenny Britt, like Tevin was talking about. You'd like to get more out of those targets. Uh, but I, I don't know that we're going to see it any, with any consistency. We saw Kenny Britt have a nice game earlier in the year. What did it, what did it amount to? What has it amounted to in the last two weeks? Uh, there's not enough consistency there because all it takes is one, to, you know, one team to come in with a game plan to clamp down there. And where else is Nick Foles going to look? You know, outside of Jared Cook, it doesn't seem like there's anybody that can really get open uh, from the four to the nine on the route tree. You know, if you run Tavon or Stedman across the field or run a couple pick plays or some drags, yeah, uh, eventually those will work, you know, for three, four, five yards. And when you hit Tavon or Stedman or somebody like that, maybe they can pick up some yards after the catch. But nobody else, nobody else is escaping tacklers. Nobody else has jukes. You know, nobody else is going to run anybody over. That's not their game. The game for Jared Cook is, the, you know, to pick up first downs up the seam and running on the hitch, running those man routes. The game for Brian Quick and Kenny Britt is to use that body, use the frame, and open the window for Nick Foles. And, you know, he, maybe he's going to have to start letting go. We didn't really see that until last, uh, last week, two weeks ago, against the Packers that, you know, maybe there was a bit of conservatism, that it wasn't just Sam Bradford who brought some of that conservatism with him to Philadelphia. But that Nick's going to really have to open it up. We saw it early on in the season. But, well, you know, when the Rams are getting desperate, he's going to have to make some risky throws. And he's not just going to have to throw the ball. He's going to have to make it. He's going to have to complete him. And the Rams are going to have to find success there if they're going to get the ball moving downfield. Because what we've seen the last two weeks, uh, and especially in the Green Era, the last two games, but especially in the Green Bay game, is that even with that big rushing game, you're going to need more out of the offense. You know, you can't just rely on defense and special teams to hold it down every single game week to week. You're going to have to get something out of the offense, and that's going to have to start this weekend against Cleveland. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Obviously, for tertiary times, we'll have everything covered. Uh, Tevin and Eddie are going to have their five players to watch from each side. Staff predictions should be going up tomorrow. Brandon's got everybody on the record from what we expect to see. Um, then we'll have, obviously, some Saturday downtime to watch some college football. Feel free to come on and hit us up with a fan post. Uh, if there's something that, that you want to talk about that you don't see really generating the discussion among the staff, that's what fan posts are there for. It's for the community, for anybody to come on and talk about the Rams and, and find the, the little corners that nobody is discussing, that's not being discussed by Wagner over on ESPN, not being discussed by Jim Thomas and everybody else at the Post-Dispatch. If there's an angle that you think warrants discussion, put it in the fan post. We check those. And they generate some traffic, especially the well-written, well-thought-out ones. They'll get just as much visibility as the stuff we're putting on the front page. Um, and if there's something you want us to get on there, let us know. We're always open to ideas. Uh, appreciate you guys getting at us this time. We'll try to be back next week. Uh, Tertial Radio, your boy, 3K, hoping the Rams get it done on Sunday against Cleveland. Let's see, man. Go Rams.
kick back, Jackie, and I'm starting this off. The Rams get down so nobody scoffs. And don't you worry, cause the Rams are rapping. When game time comes, we'll be back to that. We can't sing, and our dance is not pretty. But we'll do our best for the team and the city. So get on your feet and clap your hands. Let's ram it right now with the L.A. Rams. Hollywood Hanson, Dodge City Tough. If you throw it my way, it's going to get rough. I like to ram it, as you can see. Nobody likes ramming any more than me. They call me Gina. Nobody dresses sweeter. But under this cool is a quarterback mistreater. I come from the end, looking for the sacks. I don't stop coming till I put them on the back. This limousine with it, my moves are like dreams. They call me the demon on special team. I know how to rock from the toes to the head. When I pull the trigger, I'll knock you dead. I'm a mountain man. Austin Davis. Austin Davis, Austin, Austin Davis, Austin Davis. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. (laughs) 